0: Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: On June 18, 1840, throngs of people gathered around London's Old Bailey Courthouse, all hoping to gain entrance to the most anticipated trial of their lifetimes. A Swiss immigrant named Francois Courvoisier was finally appearing before a judge.
0: The public had mixed feelings about the 23-year-old defendant. On one hand, Courvoisier was accused of the brutal murder of an English aristocrat, 73-year-old Lord William Russell, On the other hand, the Swissman had maintained his innocence and there was reason to speculate that someone, perhaps even London's
1: Metropolitan Police, had planted evidence against him. Everyone in the crowd hoped the truth would be revealed in court. When the door swung open, people fought to get inside.
0: Courvoisier was already seated before the judge and jury, looking more poised than anyone expected. His dark hair was neatly combed to one side, and his face betrayed no panic. The barrister announced that Courvoisier would be pleading not guilty.
1: The trial began somewhat slowly as the prosecution ran through a summary of the case, the botched robbery, the bloody crime scene, and the valuables found stashed in Lord Russell's home.
0: But soon, new evidence would come to light. Most importantly... A French hotel owner would provide additional evidence that simply couldn't be refuted.
1: Within two days, the secret would be out. Everyone in England would know the identity of Lord Russell's killer and want vengeance.
0: Welcome to Solved Murders True Crime Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
1: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Wednesday, we step into the world of true crime's most fascinating murder cases and tell the tale of how real life detectives closed the case.
0: You can find episodes of Solved Murders and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify.
1: This is our second episode on the 1840 murder of Lord William Russell. Last week, we followed Metropolitan Police as they investigated the gruesome crime and zeroed in on François Courvoisier as their prime suspect. This week, we'll hear the killer's confessions and reconstruct the crime that terrified Victorian England.
0: We have all that more coming up. Stay with us.
1: Hi, I'm Blair.
2: Want to hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folktales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams.
1: 23-year-old Francois Corvoisier sat before a judge and jury at London's Old Bailey Courthouse about six weeks after 73-year-old Lord William Russell's throat was slit.
0: During an average trial, Old Bailey's courtroom was sparsely populated. On June 18, 1840, however, an entire section was filled with English aristocrats and royalty with extra seats brought in. Any remaining room was crowded with commoners.
1: After the barrister ran through the details of the crime in his introduction, the first witness was called Sarah Manser, a thirty-something woman with a fierce personality. She had served as Lord Russell's housemaid for three years, and she was the first person to wake and find the house in disarray on the morning of May 6th.
3: Please describe Francois Courvoisier's behavior on the morning you both discovered the body.
2: He was very strange. When I first knocked on his door around... oh, it it must have been around 6.45am. I knocked on his door, and when he opened it, he was already fully clothed. I found that quite odd, as he usually sleeps until eight or so.
3: What about when you let him downstairs?
2: He did seem struck by the state of the house. The best way I can describe him is... stilted. It was almost as if he was floating above himself, Unable to move or react.
4: Your Honor, I'd like to interject. Go on. Could this not be a simple case of shock? According to my knowledge, it is not uncommon for people to become stilted, as Ms. Manser said, after experiencing something traumatic. I believe you are correct. Furthermore, Ms. Manser, is it not a fact that you were seen aggressing Corboisier after the discovery of his Lordship's corpse?
2: I don't believe so. I never
4: aggressed is it not true that you and he had an argument over whether to send a letter or a horse to lord russell's son and is it not a fact that after that argument you began trying to point police in my client's direction could it be possible that you felt affronted insulted even and decided to blame Corboisier for a crime you committed of course not what are you i rest my case
0: The defense attacked Sarah relentlessly. They argued that, for some unproven reason, she had a vendetta against the Swissman. Additionally, the defense pointed out the fact that she could have stolen Lord Russell's cutlery, as two of his silver spoons had already been found in her possession, stolen long before the murder.
1: The maid was cross-examined for hours. The prosecution wanted the jurors to believe that she was a trustworthy employee, but by the time she left the stand, the defense had planted a seed of doubt in the jury's mind.
0: Next, Mary Hanel testified. She was a bit older than Sarah and had been working as Lord Russell's cook for around three years. She echoed much of the maid's testimony, adding that Courvoisier often seemed anxious about money, It wasn't unthinkable that the Swissman might have taken some of Lord Russell's riches for himself.
1: But Mary's testimony highlighted the central flaw in the prosecution's case. If all Courvoisier wanted was money, it would have been easy for him to steal small items, coins, or bills. In fact, the substantial amount of cash found in his room suggested he'd been doing that already.
0: It was easy to prove Courvoisier was a thief, Making the case that he'd suddenly jumped from pilfering to outright murder was much more difficult, especially when the prosecution couldn't provide a convincing motive for the crime.
1: The best argument against Corvoisier hinged on the fact that he quarreled with Lord Russell on the evening before the murder. It was possible that the aristocrat threatened to fire his valet, short his wages, or made some other statement that pushed Corvoisier towards violence.
0: Still, this theory was far from conclusive, and the prosecution knew it. Instead of focusing on the details of motive, they decided to lean on the horror of the crime scene itself. This, they likely hoped, would make the jury anxious to put any culprit behind bars.
1: Dr. Henry Elsgood, the physician who examined Lord Russell's body on the morning of May 6th, took the stand. He described the corpse and its near decapitation. Then he revealed a piece of information not formally recorded at the inquest or investigation.
5: Upon first inspection, I found his lordship with a towel covering his face and a scarf pulled up nearly to his neck. It was as if his body had been tucked into bed with care and his face purposely obfuscated. Whoever killed Lord Russell spent time arranging the scene afterwards. And what do you make of the blood? The blood was very puzzling. As I said, Lord Russell died after his carotid artery was severed. This should have resulted in blood spraying everywhere, floor to ceiling. But his lordship's blood was found only on his own body, clothing, and mattress. And in your professional opinion, what might this suggest? It's difficult to say for certain. Lord Russell's pillows were bloodied. so. It's possible one was held over his neck to staunch the spray. That would be quite a difficult maneuver, wouldn't it? Yes. But someone who is experienced
3: with balancing trays or multitasking, someone like a valet, for instance,
5: might have the dexterity for such an operation, no? Uh, I'm not sure. In all honesty, I've not the foggiest idea how a single person could pull this off.
0: Very few people were aware of the scarf and towel found over Lord Russell's body. Even more disturbing was the fact that the killer didn't bolt afterwards. They stayed and took their time arranging the body. For jurors, this only made the crime seem more calculated, the murderer more cruel.
1: Furthermore, although Dr. Elsgood didn't say it outright, the relative cleanliness of the scene seemed to suggest a co-conspirator. One person to hold the knife, and one to staunch the spray of blood.
0: But reputable rumors surrounding the case poked holes in the physician's theory. These rumors stemmed from a statement allegedly made by one of Lord Russell's neighbors.
1: The neighbor said that after midnight on the night of Lord Russell's murder, he saw the figure of a tall, slim man dart across the home's second level. He hadn't come forward initially because he didn't want to explain his own motives for being in the neighborhood. He'd been at a married woman's home, having an affair.
0: But soon, the neighbor must have realized that if he didn't report the sighting, the killer might never be caught. Plus, the phantom had looked so bizarre, it moved quickly but was visibly nude.
1: If this report was true, then the initial lack of evidence made total sense. Officers couldn't find the killer's bloodied clothing because he hadn't been wearing any. Furthermore, the neighbor identified the murderer as a man. This would absolve Sarah and Mary.
0: These rumors didn't look good for the valet, but his defense was at the ready. They called Constable John Baldwin, one of the first officers to appear at the crime scene to the stand. The constable sat and folded his arms across his chest.
4: I understand you've been quite close to my client since his arrest. I'm not sure what you mean by close. You've been something of a supervisor. Yes. And you've also tried to intimidate him. Am I wrong? I will admit that I've attempted to extract the truth. My client says you have been threatening him. (laughs) Oh, come on! Is it not true that you've tried to bully my client into giving you a false confession? I don't think I'd call it bullying. I would. And I think you've been doing it because you know you don't have enough evidence. You and the rest of the Metropolitan Police have been suspicious from the beginning. Would you care to explain why you're so anxious to put an innocent man behind bars? I'm not. Ah, but you are. I'm sure you'd love to get your hands on some of that reward money, wouldn't you, Mr. Baldwin? You and all your friends. Have you done the math yet? Once Corvoisier is convicted, how much will you be paid? Forty pounds each? Fifty?
1: The courtroom erupted. The trial was nothing short of a roller coaster. One moment, Corvoisier's guilt seemed unquestionable. Mere minutes later, it looked like London police had framed the valet so they could split the reward money.
0: The judge calmed the crowd enough to announce that it was time to adjourn for the evening. People buzzed as they pushed and shoved their way outside. In the midst of this chaos, a wild-eyed man made his way
1: to the prosecution's bench. He introduced himself as Richard Cummings. He spoke quickly, insisting a member of the prosecution follow him to London's Leicester Square first thing the next morning. He knew someone there who might be able to help solve the case.
0: Coming up, the prosecution finds Lord Russell's stolen cutlery and discovers the identity of his killer. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast Network. The Vatican is one of the most recognizable religious sites in the world. But it's also a powerful institution, its unique history full of secrecy. This Easter, my show Conspiracy Theories looks deep into the church's past to uncover how it became what it is today. Starting April 5th, our new four-part miniseries, Mysteries of the Vatican, dives in to examine some of the most prominent conspiracy theories surrounding this mysterious organization. From the church's sordid rise to power, to prophetic visions, and even assassination attempts. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories, to hear mysteries of the Vatican. New episodes air every Monday and Wednesday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: On June 18, 1840, 23 year old Francois Courvoisier went to trial for the murder of his employer, 73 year old Lord William Russell. Courvoisier's first day in court was full of dramatic twists and turns. By the time they adjourned, jurors were torn between two possibilities. Courvoisier was either guilty or he was being framed.
0: As crowds of people shuffled out of the building, a man named Richard Cummings grabbed prosecutors and told them to follow him to Leicester Square. He knew a woman who owned a hotel there, and she had a strange package that they ought to come see.
1: The prosecutors didn't know whether or not to trust the wild-eyed man, but they couldn't give up the opportunity to get their hands on valuable evidence. The next morning, one attorney accompanied Richard on a brisk walk to Leicester Square.
0: They stepped inside the Hotel de Dieppe. Soft music and candlelight filled the lobby. A few guests sat in soft chairs, sipping beer. Richard Cummings introduced the prosecutor to the owner of the establishment, a dark-haired Frenchwoman named Charlotte Piolenne.
3: Lovely to meet you. Richard tells me you've got something that might help us put Lord Russell's killer behind bars?
2: Yes, I hope so anyway. It's uh... give me just one moment.
5: A
3: parcel? Someone sent you this?
2: No, about six weeks ago, in early May, that Swiss fellow brought it in. He asked me to store it for him.
3: Why would he ask you?
2: I don't know, really. He worked here for a very short time, about four years ago. He went by the name of Jean. I hardly recognized him when he dropped it off. He paid me to keep it for him for a few days, but then
1: he didn't return.
3: What's inside?
1: See for yourself. The prosecutor tore open the brown paper package. Inside were 14 pieces of silver cutlery, all of which had no doubt been stolen from Lord William Russell.
0: Although the parcel was unlabeled and there were no other witnesses, Charlotte identified Francois Courvoisier as Jean in a prison lineup and swore that he had placed the items in her care. She agreed to testify in court later that day... Her statement would tie the valet to the stolen items and could ultimately decide his fate
1: prior to the police lineup corvoisier's confidence seemed unshakable but on june 19th when a dark-haired frenchwoman took a seat near the prosecution corvoisier's breath caught in his throat
0: he must have believed that charlotte would keep his secret because suddenly his whole world came crashing down He grabbed his attorney's wrist and whispered into his ear.
3: I've got to tell you something. What is it? It's in the strictest confidence. All right. I murdered him.
4: What? I'm guilty. Well, do you want to... Should you change your plea? If you plead guilty, you might get a lighter sentence No,
3: no, don't be ridiculous. That woman over there... The woman with the dark hair? She's got some evidence against me. You must be prepared to argue against her, whatever it takes. You understand?
1: Corvoisier's lawyer sat dumbstruck. The valet had admitted he killed Lord Russell, yet he still expected his attorney to argue in his favor.
0: There was no time for the lawyer to ask questions... Almost as soon as Courvoisier whispered his confession, the judge sat
1: down and quieted the court. The trial was about to resume. The attorney swallowed hard. He wasn't sure where his allegiance fell, with the truth or with his client. Although the decision was ethically questionable, he chose to double down on his argument and do his best to get Courvoisier acquitted.
0: During the second day of the trial... The defense continued making the case that the Metropolitan Police were corrupt. They focused on tiny details, such as how long officers spent in one room of the house or another, or how much evidence was found before and after Lord Russell's family
1: announced the 400-pound reward. But that afternoon, as the prosecution brought Charlotte Piolen to the stand, these facts seemed less relevant. Whether inspectors had an economic incentive or not, Corvoisier was a robber. There was no reason to believe he wasn't a murderer as well.
0: By sundown, the prosecution had made serious headway. Corvoisier's defense team scrambled to come up with a convincing argument in his favor.
1: The following morning, June 20th, the defense arrived feeling desperate Corvoisier's attorney took the stand and made his most impassioned speech yet.
4: Yesterday, we heard testimony from Madame Piollin. She claims my client entrusted her with a parcel containing items stolen from the victim. Now, I must ask, why ought we believe her? What proof do we have that Madame Piollin is a woman of character, that her word holds any weight? Could she not have been swayed to dishonesty by the 50 pounds promised to whoever found his lordship's silver? This crime is, indeed, a mystery. Lord William Russell met a grotesque fate, and we mourn him. But you all, the fine jurors who've gathered here today, ought not respond by taking the life of a man who cannot be proved guilty. You, too, would have blood on your hands. Only God knows who perpetrated this ghastly deed.
0: The lawyer sat, satisfied with his speech, but uncomfortable with himself. He'd lied brazenly. He only hoped it would be enough to get Courvoisier acquitted. Otherwise, he'd just compromised his morals for nothing.
1: As the attorney shifted in his seat, a few character witnesses testified on Courvoisier's behalf. Then, it was time for the jury to deliberate. They left, discussed for about an hour and a half, and returned to an anxious courtroom.
0: The judge stepped forward to announce their ruling.
5: Francois Courvoisier, you have been found guilty by unanimous verdict. Although your crime was committed in the dark and lonely time of night, when no eye but that of a watchful providence could see the deed, it has nevertheless been brought to light in a manner clear and convincing to all. Your offense is so apparent that an example must be made, for it has created a sensation and alarm most unparalleled among those who necessarily use servants. You will be hanged, and may God have mercy on your sinful soul.
1: Although the verdict was decisive, Courvoisier's face showed no emotion. He was frozen, just like he had been on the morning Lord Russell's body was discovered.
0: Guards led the 23-year-old Swissman out of the courtroom and brought him straight to London's Newgate Prison. He would stay behind bars until his execution just two weeks later on July 6, 1840.
1: Before Corvoisier went to the gallows, though, Metropolitan Police had questions. Lots of them.
0: On June 22nd, an undersheriff named Thomas Flower sat down with the valet. He was very frank. He told the 23-year-old that his hours left on earth were dwindling, and in his final days, he ought to give police a full confession. Otherwise, his secrets would die with him, and the whole of England would be left wondering how and why he committed his crime.
1: Corvoisier was surprisingly happy to oblige. He spent several hours answering Sheriff Flowers' questions and giving a full rundown of events. He told the officer... On the Friday before the murder,
3: I began feeling dissatisfied with my place. My job, that is. It would look bad to quit a position so soon after starting, so I was searching for some way to get his lordship to discharge me. I had a mind to rob the house, without Lord Russell knowing it was me, of course. I had hoped he would assume I had been negligent and let me go. In future jobs, I could say I'd been fired unjustly. The problem came on Tuesday night, May 5th, when I actually decided to do it. I was in the middle of ransacking the place when old Russell came ambling down the stairs. He caught me in the act, we argued, and he told me I would be fired in the morning. He then went back up to bed. Now, you can imagine how frantic I felt. If word got out that I was a thief, I'd never find another job in England. I decided then and there that my only option was to kill the old man and make sure no one ever found out about our quarrel.
0: Sheriff Flower took down this statement, but many of Corvoisier's words did not seem consistent with his actions. First of all, it would have been easy for the valet to quit and secure a new job. Openings for domestic servants were numerous, and even those with spotty employment histories could find work.
1: Furthermore, if Lord Russell caught Corvoisier stealing, he would have thrown the valet out immediately. It made no sense for him to wait until morning. The chances of Lord Russell going back to sleep with a thief in his home were slim to none.
0: Nevertheless, Sheriff Flower accepted the confession. It was, and still is, considered the official record of events.
1: But the next day, June 23rd, Corvoisier met with a different sheriff. He retracted his previous statement admitting that the story of lord russell walking in on his robbery was a total fabrication rather he said there was no real provocation for the murder he'd done it simply because he wanted to
0: in the days leading up to his execution courvoisier issued more confessions each as improbable and contradictory as the last The only consistency in his stories was that he says he acted entirely alone, though it remains unknown if this was true or if he was covering for an accomplice.
1: In one of these statements, Corvoisier admitted what many believed to be his real motivation. Lord Russell hadn't walked in on the valet's robbery, threatened to fire him, or provoked him in any way. Rather, Corvoisier had been inspired by a play he'd seen a few weeks before
0: it was a production called jack shepherd and it was the most exciting thing the swissman had ever experienced he had sat in the audience with wide eyes watching the title character lie and steal his way to fame and riches
1: francois corvoisier wanted to be just like jack Shepard, so he started planning a heist of his own
0: Up next, we go back to the night of Lord William Russell's perplexing death. Now back to the story.
1: After being convicted of 73-year-old Lord William Russell's murder, 23-year-old François Corvoisier gave numerous contradictory confessions. His exact reason for killing his employer remains a matter of debate but some believe he was inspired by a play called Jack Shepard.
0: Corvoisier told police that after watching the production and reading the book it was based on, he found himself drawn to the title character's daring criminal lifestyle. He wanted to live like Jack Shepard, and he would start by stealing from his employer.
1: At first, Corvoisier lifted cash, coins, and other small items from Lord Russell's home. He packaged up 14 pieces of silver cutlery and gave the parcel to his previous employer, Charlotte Piolen, for safekeeping. It's unclear when Corvoisier decided to jump from petty theft to outright burglary.
0: It's also uncertain when and why Corvoisier began to consider murder. In some confessions, he told authorities an argument left him angry with his employer. Other times, Corvoisier said Lord Russell walked in on the robbery, which made the valet believe he had no choice but to kill the old man, a few of Courvoisier's statements offered no explanation at all.
1: Exactly what transpired at 14 Norfolk Street on the night of May 5th, 1840, will likely always remain a mystery. However, using the available evidence, we can reconstruct the crime with as much accuracy as possible.
0: We know a few things for certain. A little after 5 p.m. on May 5th, Lord Russell returned home from a local club. He walked in, grumbling about his careless valet. Courvoisier had forgotten to send him a carriage.
6: Courvoisier! Yes, my lord? Has something of particular importance occupied you this afternoon?
3: Um, I... Oh my,
6: I'm so sorry. I don't ask very much of you. Even the worst servant ought to be able to send a carriage on time. I'm not a young man anymore, Corvoisier. I rely on my employees to help me manage. If I can't trust you to assist me, then why should I employ you?
3: I understand, my lord. I promise it won't happen again. (sighs)
1: That evening, Courvoisier must have felt a bit on edge. He'd slacked on his duties, and Lord Russell was clearly unhappy.
0: It might have been around this time that Courvoisier decided to kill the aristocrat. If he'd already planned a robbery, it may have been easier to work another, more violent crime into the scheme.
1: If this was the case, Courvoisier's behavior during the rest of the evening makes sense. He kept his distance from his employer, and when Sarah and Mary were about to retire for the evening, he offered to go buy some beer. He got both women drunk, hoping the alcohol would make them sleep more heavily than usual.
0: By around 11 p.m., both women had gone to bed. Corvoisier sat awake and waited for Lord Russell to call him.
1: Around midnight, the aristocrat rang his bell. Corvoisier walked into the old man's study and tried his best to look nonchalant.
6: Go on and ready my bed.
1: Yes, my lord.
6: And light a candle. I want to read a while in my room. Certainly, sir. Oh, and Corvoisier. Yes? I want to offer my apologies for earlier. I believe I was a bit too cross. I appreciate your help, and I trust you'll be more responsible in the future.
0: Uh, I don't know what to say. Courvoisier readied Lord Russell's bed, as he always did. He grabbed coals from the hearth, spread them onto a tray, and placed the hot pan atop his employer's mattress. Then he lit a small white candle... The flame created just enough light to read by.
1: The valet helped the 73-year-old up the stairs and into his room. Lord Russell settled into his warm bed and bid his servant good night.
0: At this point, it's likely that Courvoisier sat in his own room, listening intently for the sound of Lord Russell blowing out the candle and rolling over in bed. Whatever book he had must have been particularly gripping— because Courvoisier had to wait longer than usual for the old man to fall asleep.
1: When the time was right, perhaps around 1 a.m., Courvoisier snuck out of his room and down the stairs. The purpose
0: of the robbery was twofold. Courvoisier certainly hoped to get away with stealing some items, but he also wanted to make it look like a larger break-in had occurred.
1: He took things he thought he could hide, gold coins, small pieces of jewelry, and cash. He squirreled his treasures away in places that he assumed nobody would look, like beneath the baseboards in his room, underneath the hearthstone, and wedged between the metal pieces of a sink. Then
0: he staged a larger burglary. He stacked valuables near the front entrance and scattered silver cutlery across the dining room table. He damaged the back door to make it look like somebody had broken in.
1: If Corvoisier had stopped there, his scheme might have worked. But he kept going. Perhaps because his employer came downstairs and caught him stealing, or because he was still angry about being reprimanded that evening, or simply because he wanted to be like the infamous criminal Jack Shepard, François Corvoisier grabbed a knife and tiptoed towards Lord Russell's bedroom.
0: Halfway up the stairs, Corvoisier stopped, there was sure to be a lot of blood. Stained garments would be a dead giveaway, so according to the rumors, he shed his clothing.
1: A neighbor, a man who happened to be in bed with a married woman, would later claim that he saw Corvoisier's nude figure creeping across the second story of Lord Russell's home.
2: What is it?
5: Did you see
1: that?
2: See what?
5: I think one of the neighbor's servants is having a night similar to our own.
2: Uh, You ought to give them some privacy, then.
0: The man assumed Lord Russell's servant was sleeping with someone, be it a fellow servant or a lover he had snuck inside. Either way, the rumored neighbor felt a bit of camaraderie with the naked phantom. They were both engaging in a secret romance, or so he thought.
1: As the witness climbed back into bed, Corvoisier slipped out of sight and into Lord Russell's room. In all his
0: confessions, Corvoisier refused to give details about how he committed the murder. He spoke of it only in vague terms, saying things like, I drew the knife across his throat. He appeared to die instantly.
1: These statements suggest an ease that's entirely incompatible with the physical evidence. Lord Russell was found nearly decapitated. His carotid artery and trachea were both severed. It would have taken substantial strength and effort to wound the aristocrat so severely. Furthermore,
0: Courvoisier couldn't, or wouldn't, adequately explain the placement of Lord Russell's blood. When questioned, he simply said he used a towel to wipe the blood off his hand and knife. He didn't mention the pillow or scarf which seemed to have been used to stop the spray. When the carotid artery was severed, blood should have shot up and out. Instead, it had all seeped down into the mattress.
1: Corvoisier could have been lying for any number of reasons. For example, it's possible that he had a co-conspirator. Some have speculated that Henry Carr, the friend who came to visit him on the afternoon of May 5th, actually helped Corvoisier perpetrate the crime. Although there's little evidence to support this, Henry could have staged part of the robbery and staunched the spray of Lord Russell's blood. However,
0: there's another explanation that seems more likely. Claire Harmon, the author of a book on the case entitled Murder by the Book, The Crime That Shocked Dickens's London, suggested that cutting Lord Russell's throat may have been another one of Courvoisier's attempts at misdirection. Perhaps... Just as the valet tried to cover up a small robbery with a larger one, he tried to hide the true nature of Lord Russell's murder by covering it with something more extreme.
1: Harmon speculates that the actual cause of Lord Russell's death may have been strangulation. If the aristocrat caught Corvoisier stealing, a physical altercation might have ensued. Corvoisier could have strangled Lord Russell in a moment of blind rage or panic.
0: Then, in order to make the murder look like the work of a more brutal criminal, Courvoisier might have placed the aristocrat's body in bed and cut his throat. This would explain the blood perfectly. If Lord Russell was already dead, it would drip down into the mattress instead of spraying up towards the ceiling.
1: But if this theory is true, it leaves one unresolved question. Courvoisier gained nothing by lying about the manner of Lord Russell's death once he was in prison. He'd already been convicted and sentenced to death, so it didn't make sense for him to hide the truth, unless he simply didn't care about coming clean and only wanted to be a criminal hero like Jack Shepard.
0: Jack Shepard was notorious for his crimes, and Francois Courvoisier may have been seeking the same kind of infamy, he could have made the crime scene purposely gruesome, if only to make it more horrifying, more memorable. And then he muddied public perception by offering conflicting confessions about the murder.
1: However it happened, Lord Russell suffered a cruel death. Courvoisier snuck back out of his employer's room, rinsed the blood off his body, cleaned the knife, and then went to bed. One would guess he didn't sleep much, When Sarah pounded on his bedroom door before sunrise, he was already awake and fully dressed.
0: He ran downstairs and tried his best to act shocked.
2: Someone's robbed us. That's what I said. Are you just going to stand there? I... uh... For God's sake, come on, we've got
1: to go wake his lordship. As soon as Sarah saw the bloodied mattress, she ran to get help. Courvoisier insisted he was innocent from that morning up to the second day of his trial, when he saw Charlotte Piolaine and realized the jig was up.
0: Charlotte's testimony convinced the jury he was guilty. The judge announced a punishment of death by hanging, and Courvoisier's execution was scheduled for 16 days later on July 6, 1840.
1: It is estimated that some 40,000 people showed up to watch Francois Courvoisier hang. The crowd included people from every background, from servants to members of the royal family. Even Charles Dickens was in attendance.
0: Courvoisier's death, like all public hangings, was a grisly affair. The horror of the execution traumatized a generation of Londoners. After Courvoisier died people remained confused about the crime and distrustful of their neighbors and
1: servants. Even today, nearly two centuries later, people are still searching for the truth about why Courvoisier killed Lord Russell. Some are hopeful for solid answers, but the likelihood of a modern researcher pulling back the curtain of mystery is slim.
0: All we know for sure is that Francois Courvoisier committed a ghastly crime— and he took his secrets to the grave.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Solved Murders. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode.
0: For more information on Lord William Russell, among the many sources we used, we found Murder by the Book, the Crime That Shocked Dickens' London by Claire Harmon, extremely helpful to our research.
1: You can find all episodes of Solved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time.
0: Solved Murders True Crime Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Solved Murders was written by Karis Allen, with writing assistance by Giles Hofseff. Fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Joe Hernandez, Eddie Lee, and Rebecca Thomas. Solved Murders stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy.